So uh, not only will you be part of our story, you are part of our story, you know? And it's just, uh, I'm gonna try and do this without crying, so. Um, um, it's been uh, a while since I've been here. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the story that brought us to this place right here. And, uh, mm, you know, I, uh, we're moving. And uh, it's a sad and exciting thing all at the same time. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming for us, but there's a lot of stuff we're leaving behind. You know, a lot of people we're leaving behind. And you are part of those people. I mean, I know probably set at least 70% of the people in the room, and I hope uh, I've met a bunch more of you already this morning. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, it, we, we become friends. And, uh, we're moving, and uh, we're headed up to St. John, and uh, that's uh, a neat thing that God had set forth. Mark touched me this morning and, and uh, asked me to say a little bit more about the moving piece of things that I'd planned on saying, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I was praying a lot about this on whether we should move or not, and I couldn't hear God. It's, it's odd for me not to be able to hear God, and I couldn't hear God in it, and I'm going, God, if you say go, I'm there. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to changing it doesn't it's not something i do sorry and um i couldn't hear him and i think god was t really teaching me something in this because I, I i finally changed my prayer and my prayer became god orchestrate the circumstances in whatever direction you want us to go in you know i know the enemy can orchestrate circumstances i know you can i'm asking you god orchestrate the circumstances and uh since we started praying that and i told my family and so on start praying this way because i really don't know and uh things have just lined up, lined up, and lined up, and lined up, and it's just, uh, it's God is just orchestrating everything that's happened to this point, you know, our closing date was all up in the air, well, we're closing right on the date that it was supposed to be, you know, and it's just like, I, I honestly didn't worry a whole lot about that inside, Not the manager in me likes to make sure things are in order or whatever else, but on the inside, I'm not worrying about it and going, you know what, God, you got it, you got it, and he did, you know, so we're heading up there, We've uh, sold our house here. The movers are at our house right now. Um, so the next four days, the Packers are in there and moving there, and we close on this house on Thursday. We close on the next house. We bought a house in, in, uh, just outside of St. John. And uh, so that'll be closing the week after that, and then we'll be the movers will come right after that. So that's where we are. But we've been a part of this body for a long time, you know, and uh, as Dick said, we've been transition for a little bit. But otherwise, we've, you know, I, I don't feel like I've ever left this body. You know, so, and that's, that's difficult, you know. Dick and I have spent a lot of time together, spent a bunch of time in Israel together. Um, if you get a chance to go on a trip to Israel with Dick, go to Israel with Dick. It's, it's a great trip. It's really a great trip. <coughs> so Dick asked me this morning to talk about uh, personal relationships and the importance of personal relationships. So that got me thinking, of course, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the best one for personal relationships. I'm honestly not. You know, my wife's laughing at me already because she knows. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and I laugh at that because it's, it's what God does to you, right? He puts you up here and goes, talk about something you're not good at, you know? And uh, so there's different people that have made me better at it, and, and I grow in it. And every person I run into makes me better at it. Um, so I want to bring a scripture to start, and uh, that scripture is Second uh, Corinthians three sixteen eighteen, 18. And it says, Eric's with me? Okay. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's God who brings it. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the gift that you gave me to be able to come here and minister to these people here, to minister to me, to grow me, to grow them all together. And God, I thank you that you worked that way. I thank you that you ministered each one of us through each other. So thank you, God, for interpersonal relationships. I thank you for that, God. It's such a blessing. Thank you, God. Amen. So when I was doing this, the first thing that came to mind is I was remembering back at 40, about 40 years, and I'm going, man, when you can start saying, I guess some of you can, but I, I haven't remembered the last time I can say I remember 40 years ago. So it's uh, you, you look at the people that have been involved in your life throughout all that time, and you look at them and you go, man, just knowing that person changed my life, right? Knowing that person changed my life. And I'm different today because I ran into that person, you know, and what they did in my life. And that's what the interpersonal relationships are. We spent uh, spending time in people's lives. That's where it all is, right? I mean, we spend a lot of time at work. Is work wasted time? Not if we're spending it in people's lives. Is having fun wasted time? Not at all. It's in people's lives. And it's what it's all about, is whatever you're doing, wherever you are, is spending time in people's lives. I mean, I was reading an article when I was preparing for this about how much time Jesus spent walking, you know, from place to place to place to place. And if you've been to Israel, you realize he spent a lot of time walking. And you know what? I'll bet you that most of the time was spent talking, listening, being in people's lives, crying with people, laughing with people, right? That's what he did. It wasn't wasted time. It was time spent in people's lives while he was walking, right? <coughs> so why are interpersonal relationships or personal relationships so important? You know, we have a lot of fun with each other. We grow with each other. We laugh with each other. We cry with each other. Why is that so important that we have that? What makes it draw us drawn to that all the time? You know, I was thinking about this, and it's like a hermit would probably be e the easiest thing to be because you don't have to deal with anybody. Nobody, nobody pushes you the wrong way, touches you the wrong way, whatever it is. You know, why not just be a hermit? Right, so I got a video here. I, Eric, have we got a video? Okay. It was the exact name I gave you, so if you got that one. So this, this is a commercial, okay? I'm not selling Toyota products, okay? But this is a commercial from Toyota that really touched me a long time ago because I just love the way it did, okay? So this is uh, the daughter that's sitting at home and the parents that are actually involved in people's lives. Yes, that's it. Okay. That was it. So it wasn't about Toyota. It was about her sitting at home, of course, having her 600-something friends and her parents having 19 friends, and you see them biking and kayaking and whatever else they were doing, right? It's out there living and touching people's lives. 
right? So that's what it's about, is really getting involved in people's lives. I'm not saying that you can't keep involved with people through Facebook. But what I see in Facebook is maintaining friendships. It's not usually creating new ones very, or deep new ones, right? <coughs> so um, it is getting involved with people, touching people's lives, laughing, having fun, crying, that makes people, that makes lasting relationships. It's there that you get vulnerable, that people can hurt you, they can love you, and you can grow, right? That's the place. Those that have been married know who can hurt you the most, right? The people closest to you, right? The people closest to you. So, um, so I can remember spending a lot of time with different people, right? And uh, I remember some wood days when we were here originally, right? Where we just called and I had to do a whole lot of wood. And I remember Mark coming over and Keith coming over, a few others in here um, that came over. And we just did wood. But you know what? We formed relationships that way, didn't we? We touched each other's lives. We discussed all kinds of stuff. We laughed at some silly jokes, you know, hurt ourselves, smashed our fingers, you know, that kind of thing. But it formed relationships just being with each other. Every action, even the short, every um, interaction, even the short ones change you, right? I met Jim a few minutes ago, right? And we're friends. I mean, I just met him, right? I met Roy. Where's Roy? Where'd Roy go? Where's Roy? I don't know. Oh, there he is. Yep, Roy's in the back. I met Roy a few minutes ago as well, you know, and it's just like, you know, that can turn into a long-lasting relationship very quickly, right? And it's every interaction, now, no matter how small, changes you, brings you closer. It takes an investment of time. It takes an investment of resources, money, and it takes an investment of your affection, right? Now, I've preached on that about two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was on what we can bring to people, but that's the investment we give, right? There's an investment involved in being related and in, interrelated in people's lives. We've got to place that investment in there. And what do we get? What do we get out of that? The greatest personal relationship is the relationship with, oh, that's where, I, now I just remember where I want to go. The, the greatest personal relationship you'll ever know is the one that probably most of you have already taken in this room. And that is the relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That relationship drives everything else, okay? And he does the same to us. The scripture that we read, which I'm about to come back to, says that we're continually growing in that, continually. Now, I work in a job where the, 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 the key word in that is continuous improvement, right? It's always getting yourself better. That's what I get driven to all the time is driving my people to continually get better. And I have this saying that says, you know what? I want everybody to be happily dissatisfied. <clears throat> right? Because I know if you're happy, that means we're getting somewhere. And if you're dissatisfied, it means you're ha not happy with where you are right now, but you want to get better. So that's the gist of what I always tell my people is you need to be happily dissatisfied, continually, continually growing. Okay? So the verse we read originally, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay? How many of you have experienced God's freedom in different areas of your life because of relationships around you and him? Right? Uh, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the reason we're changing is because of him. Right? We're constantly, constantly changing through every relationship 
as long as we know him and he is involved, we are constantly, constantly growing into what he wants us to become. Hmm? Now, there's a fruit of that. Oh, sorry. Um, so what comes out of the relationships is an increase in the fruit of the Spirit in the lives of those around, in your life and those around. It's constantly cha changing. So Galatians 5.22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. Okay, so what it's saying here is as we let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to, and that happens through relationships with people, as that happens, he changes us and he grows us in these things. Okay, he grows us in love. Think about your life, right? How many people have grown you in the area of love? Okay, well, we're going to keep going with that, keep that thought. So rubbing shoulders with people changes us and changes them and makes us into more of the person of Jesus. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Okay? So let's look in greater detail at some of the different people that I have seen in my life that have changed me over the period of time. I am not, nor are you, the same person you, you would have been without those interactions with people, with God using them to mold you, to mold me. <clears throat> you know, those that have ever taught before realize you learn more teaching typically than you do sitting in the pews. Right? God grows you. Right? So let's look at this. The first one, fruit of the Spirit, that comes out of relationships, okay, and, and running into everybody, is love. We've all grown in love because of the people that are around us. God's taught us to love. Right? God's taught us that sometimes just hanging with people and just sharing that love is all that you need. Right? It grows you, it fills you up, so that when the next person you run into, they might need some of that love. Right? And God can pour out of you and pour out of you and pour out of you. Those are relationships. So when I thought of love, okay, the first thing that came to mind for me is my dogs. Sorry, dear. Sorry. You know, there's this saying, I don't know if you guys, I know, I know. Figured that was coming. So there's this saying, okay, that um, if you want to know who loves you more, Lock your wife and the dog in the trunk for two hours, and when you pop the trunk, see who wants to see you. <laughs> see who's happy to see you. <laughs> so when I was talking about love, I was going, okay, you know, my, my dogs, you know, I, I get intolerable sometimes. I mean, my wife will tell you, I get intolerable sometimes. And it's just like, you know what? My dog will still come and put his head on, or her, his or her, head on my lap and just go, hey, I love you anyway. You know, as miserable as you are right now, I love you anyway. You know? So, but the, my dogs changed my life. Because at that moment, that's what I need. Right? That's what I need. I need to have that love so I can restore my love so I can pour it out to other people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so in, in Jesus' life, I, I want to take an example from Jesus' life too. And one of the ones that I decided to take was Lazarus, you know, Jesus', Jesus good friend. And you know, um, the story is that Lazarus died. Okay, and Jesus is away, finally comes there, 
and Lazarus is in the tomb for four days, and Jesus comes up to this situation. And this is the shortest verse in the Bible, okay, just so you know. It's Jesus wept. He wept over his friend, right? And that weeping touched all kinds of people. Lazarus' life was different from that point on because of that, okay? That's the love. That's the power of love has in people's lives. Okay? So let's move on to joy. Okay, so I was thinking about joy, what comes with joy. And I was thinking my kids, my kids. How many of you have had kids and remember the day of their birth? Okay, keep your hands up. Okay, now how many of you did not cry? Or sorry, did cry, did cry, keep, did cry. There you go, okay? Do you remember that joy? Okay, did their kid do anything by that point? <laughs> Nothing, right? There's tremendous, tremendous joy that comes at that point. Okay, do you remember the successes your kids had in their lives? Right, and with the joy it brought you. Okay, all of those changed you. All of those changed your kid. Right, the joy that comes. So one of the ones I want to talk about here was this whole interaction with Dick and I when I called him. And I talked to him and I said, uh, look, I'd really like to come say goodbye to the church, you know, and uh, say goodbye to the friends I have here. And uh, he said, well, can you call me tomorrow? And I called you and you called me back. And uh, then he said, you know what? I, I was praying and I said, he said, uh, I think God wants you to take the pulpit. And it's just like, you know what the joy that came to my heart because of that? <clears throat> now, there's some dread along with that because I'd carve out eight hours of my time to, to get ready for this. Um, but uh, the joy that came to my heart was first, you know, because it's just like, wow, I get to say goodbye to everybody and talk to be my friends, you know, and they'll change me and I'll change them, you know. That's what it's about. So, so coming along here, um, one of the things that also looking at the scriptures was Simeon. Simeon was, um, this is one of my favorite pictures that Eris is going to put up here. <coughs> it's... Um, Simeon was someone who um, had been told by the Lord that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed, Jesus, right? And so what happened was Simeon was in the temple, and then Mary and Jesus and Joseph walk in with Jesus the baby, okay? And Simeon basically grabs the baby, and this is the picture. This is an artist, Discapione or something like that, um, painted. Is it up here? It is up here. I don't know if you can see it, but you can see Simeon holding Jesus, and going, finally, my eyes have seen your Savior. Right? Can you imagine the joy that's happening right at this moment? Okay? How long this moment has been waiting for? Right? So this is my picture that, I was, that always comes to mind when I see joy in Scripture, is this moment right here. And the life that changed because of this. The lives that changed, that God came along. Oh, I never saw that. I never saw that. You guys didn't hear what he said. The map of the world is actually embedded in the back of it. I never saw that. So he changed the world. Right? All right. Next one is peace. Peace. So the Bible meaning of peace is this. Um, we've got some medical people in here. The Bible meaning of peace is this. You know when you break a bone, okay, and it knits back together finally after it's healed, and it's actually stronger in that place than it was before, okay? That is the biblical meaning of the word peace, where you're stronger. It's the bones actually stronger in that place than it was before. So that's peace. 
So I was thinking about, about uh, where I see peace. You know, what came to mind right there was conversations that I have with Eric. <clears throat> Eric brings me peace. You know, uh, Eric knows our conversations. We've had some phenomenal con conversations all about doctrine, all about church, all about all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it brings a peace in me. And I don't know what, what it brings in him, but <laughs> it brings a peace in me to do that, right? And every time we have these conversations, Eric's good at calling me every few months. Sometimes I'm good at calling him every few months. We just connect. And uh, every now and then we play golf, actually. And um, it's just a wonderful time where we can input each other. And you know what? We get filled up. We get filled up with that peace that we can give it out. Right? So peace. In Scripture, I had a couple of them that I thought of with peace. And that is, uh, one is the uh, tax collector Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a little man. We little man was he. You guys know the song? <laughs> and uh, he climbed the tree to see Jesus. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to your house tonight. And uh, the result of that interaction was that Zacchaeus basically turned his life to the Lord and said, you know what? If I have cheated anybody, I'll give them back tenfold right now. That was a result of the, 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 uh, the, the, his meeting with Jesus. Changed the life, his life, and changed the life of everybody Zacchaeus had touched. Right in that moment, the interaction of people, right, very powerful. The other one I had to put it in here because it's one of my favorite stories in Scripture was the leper, of course, the leper that came up to Jesus and said, "Hey, if you're willing, make me clean." Jesus said, "I'm willing," and he touches the leper and makes him clean. There's just a piece about that to me that's just so powerful. You know what? That leper, even though Jesus said, "Don't tell anybody," hey, everybody knew about that story, right? Jesus could have got leprosy right there. That's how leprosy was contracted, was touching. Right? But he, did, he wasn't worried about that. He's like, there's more in me to give out than there is coming the other way. Right? So that leper was brought peace at that point. He's stronger because of that interaction. All right. Um, patience. <laughs> patience. Guess what? My kids came to mind again. So dealing with patience. Um, I used to play golf with a doctor friend of mine down in Arkansas when we were down there. And uh, the doctor friend of mine said, you know what? I never struggled with anger until I had kids. They, they know how to push all of your buttons, right? Now, I have good kids. I do. I have great kids, okay? They still know how to push all of your buttons. <laughs> so patience, patience. <laughs> so uh, what came to mind in scripture-wise with patience was this. The transfiguration, okay? The transfiguration was Jesus goes up on the mountainside with uh, James, John, and Peter. James, John, and Peter. And he goes up there, and he's transfigured before them. because shines, everything shines bright. And then uh, this is, you know, up to this point, the disciples have been arguing amongst themselves and causing problems and all that kind of stuff. And God steps into this whole thing and says, this is my son. Listen to him, <laughs> Right? And it's like, what tone that was said in, who knows, right? We don't know. But the gist of it is, you know, the patience that comes from God going, hey, I realize there's an imperfect world out there, but God's got patience for us all, right? <clears throat> um, kindness. Kindness is the next one, that we grow in kindness. Now, what came to mind here when I was thinking back in my life, I was thinking about Jen's family. When I first started dating Jen, I was 17, right in 17. Okay, she was sweet 16, I was 17. And uh, 
And so we started dating, and the way her family took me in was incredible to me. I'd never seen anything like it. You know, they just welcomed me. They showed me kindness. They bought me birthday presents. They bought me Christmas presents. I mean, it's just like I had never seen anything like this before. So I can still remember back to the kindness that family showed me being totally exterior. How many of you in here have felt that in, in their life? How many of you have felt that kind of kindness where people just accept you? What about walking in this room, right? People accept you just for who you are. The relationships you form here, the kindnesses that are formed, people accept you. You know, you could be a total mess, and people accept you for just for who you are. Right? So the, uh, the example I wanted to bring you with scripture-wise, where, again, Jesus is changing lives, is the woman at the well. Now, the story of the woman at the well was this. Jesus uh, basically travels through um, Samaria. Thank you. Um, travels through Samaria, and he meets this woman at the well, and she's drawing water. He said, hey, give me some of that water. <coughs> And uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, but uh, he tells her basically her life story and, and uh, just treats her with that total kindness and just going gentleness, kindness. And basically the result of that interaction with her is the whole town basically came to believe. Right? From that little interaction of kindness. Okay? I'm going somewhere with all this, right? We're all called Christians, little Christ. Right? <coughs> Um, goodness. Goodness. So I was thinking about goodness, and what I was thinking about here is I was thinking about actually Keith and Jen. You guys all know Keith and Jen? They give and give and give and give. You know, some of the conversations I've had with Keith, you know, and just his openness and his givingness, most, some of you experience that anyway. You know, he just constantly gives. And that's something to be said. The goodness is, is incredible. You know, and it's, uh, it won't be easily forgotten. It will never be forgotten. And the one that came in mind scripturally here was uh, Doubting Thomas. Right? Doubting Thomas. <clears throat> so, do you remember the story? If you remember the story of Doubting Thomas, he's like uh, one of Jesus' disciples. And he said, uh, Jesus is crucified. And uh, they come back in a room, essentially, and uh, Thomas basically says, look, I, I won't believe until I actually see Jesus' hands, Jesus' feet, and I put my hand in his side, right? And then what does Jesus do? He shows up from among them in a locked room and says, uh, here, come over here, touch my hands, put your hands in my hands, put your hand in my side, believe, right? Just look at the goodness, the goodness that's there. So faithfulness, faithfulness. Growing in faithfulness. So here I thought of my wife. So we've been, I might, I might win some brownie points back for that one, but maybe. But faithfulness. My wife and I have been together now since uh, she was 16, I was 17, basically. And uh, just had a great, great run. We've had our ups, we had our downs, just like anybody gets in, in marriage. But we've had a great run of it, and she's been faithful, you know. Even when I get ugly, it does happen. I get ugly, and it's just uh, she's stayed with the whole thing. You know, so that's what came to mind with faithfulness for me. <clears throat> and you guys can hopefully relate to that as well. The best thing you'll ever find in this world, ever, ever, is someone who loves you for just who you are. Right? We have it in Jesus, and we have it in those that are around us. Right? You look around at this church, you come in and you get loved. Right? It changes you. It changes them. 
the, the scripture that came to mind here was Peter being restored. Right? Peter being restored. And just how faithful Jesus was in that whole thing. Faithful to those he had called his own, his friends. So Peter being restored. So Jesus is, being, is uh, going through his crucifixion time and uh, gets crucified. And uh, before that, Jesus denied Jesus. Peter denies Jesus three times. Right? And it, Peter's feeling absolutely awful. And he's out fishing again. He's feeling absolutely awful. He is down in the dirt. Okay? They just denied the person he said he would never deny. His best friend, he just denied him. And said, I never knew him. Three times. And Jesus comes along after all this, long story short, and comes up to Peter and says, do you love me? And Jesus sa Peter says, yes, you know I do. And uh, he does this three times. He said, well, then feed my sheep. And the final time, you, Peter just breaks down, absolutely breaks down. He said, you know, it's like you can see just the hurt coming off of him. And it just, um, he breaks down and says, you know I do. You know I do. You know everything. You know I denied you three times. What can I say? I'm it. I'm done. And Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. And he loves on them. Right? Faithfulness. Gentleness. Gentleness. So the person that came to mind here was Winston. Where are you, Winston? Gentleness. Right? So if you don't know, when sitting in the back row down there is a prayer warrior. Okay? He's gentle. He'll never attack you. He's gentle. And he's on your side all the time. Gentle warrior. So that's what came to mind with gentleness. Yeah. And the, the scripture that came to mind here was um, the lady caught in adultery. Right? So the story here is the, uh, there's a lady caught in adultery. She's brought before all these people that are ready to condemn her. The law said she had to be stoned to death. Okay? And all these people were there, and they come along and go, Jesus, what do you say? Trying to trap them, of course. What do you say? And uh, he gets down, writes in the dirt, comes back up again. He says this. He said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Right? What happens? Everybody drops their stones and starts walking away. And he's left alone with this woman. And what does he say at that point? He says, neither do I, do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right? Gentleness. Dealing with people right where they're at. Okay, the last one. Self-control. This one was an interesting one to come up with. And uh, the, the one that came to me on this one was my son Josh. And uh, self-control. My jo Josh here, those of you who don't know, he's in the corner over here, is uh, in ski school right now. He has uh, competed at cross-country skiing for the last six years, seven years. I don't know how long it's been now. And uh, he's a very disciplined individual with his studies and disciplined individual with his skiing. Okay, those that don't know, cross-country skiing is a very um, difficult sport on the body. And uh, he has done that for successfully for many, many years, and he's in competition doing it. He's competing all over the United States right now, and maybe next year in the world. Um, so it's, uh, but he's very disciplined. He's a very strong self-control in what he does. And that's necessary, because we all need to grow in that, don't we? We all struggle in that. You know, how many of us want a prayer life at four in the morning? You know, to get up and, you know, we want it. <laughs> how much do we want it? There's a discipline that comes to that. We have to have that self-discipline. So, 
self-control. Um, so this one, scripture-wise, is thinking about it and going, where do I just see Jesus with self-control? And I'm going, okay. And the one that came to mind was this, when Jesus was on the cross. And he said, you know what? Forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. You know how much self-discipline that takes, self-control that takes? You know? And it's for Jesus, I guess it wasn't even self-control because he understood. He understood the death behind it. And then he goes down to Mary and John and says, Behold your son. To Mary, behold your son. To John, behold your mother. And John took Mary into his household from then on. You know, Jesus knew where he was going, what he was about, and what he was doing. The self-control that he had was incredible. Right? And then we can learn from it. You all know people that have good self-control in different areas of their lives, and they grow you. When they teach you, they grow you. You see what they do even, and you go, oh, it makes you want to be better. Right? makes you want to be better. So all of these things, the fruits of the Spirit we just went through, as you walk through each one of these, and you see people that are really good in these, I've, I've mentioned a few of them in different areas here, you see these people, and it's just like it makes you want to be better. Hanging around them makes you better. Hanging around you makes them better. As you get God involved in these things, it makes you better. And it makes those personal relationships a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of growth comes out of them. So the thing that, the, the last piece of that verse with the uh, scriptures, with uh, fruit of the Spirit, the last thing of that verse is against these things there is no law. And what that means is they're never wrong. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're never wrong. You grow in those things, and you grow in those things when you connect with others. Where you have God in the center of your life, and they may not have God in the center of life, but one of you has God in the center of your life, you're going to grow. And God's going to use that to grow people around you. Interpersonal relationships. There are many people over the years that have changed my life, like I said, and a lot of them are in this room. Right? I've run into a lot of you, and you've changed. I've changed because of that thing. We've grown to look more like Jesus. Right? That's interpersonal relationships. They make us better. Are you getting out? Are you touching people? Are you growing people? Do you realize that you carry God's Holy Spirit in you that can change people, touches people's lives, grow people? Are you, are you sitting in or are you getting out, making a point to touch people's lives? So again, Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these things are no, are there, there is no law. I'm going to miss every one of you. you know, some of you I barely know, but we're going to miss all of you. But you know what? We're still around. We're still on Facebook. <laughs> and we're not far away. You know? But the Holy Spirit stays and goes and is part of each one of us. And that way we're part of the church. You know, the song that we sang, One Voice, we're one voice. Wherever we are, God's kingdom is there. In personal relationships, grow us wherever we are. They touch us. So I really want to thank you guys for letting us be a part of your life and for you being a part of ours. And thank you for changing us and making us better. Thank you. <laughs>